Let us pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Feed me, Seymour, feed me all night long. Feed me, Seymour, feed me all night long. Cause if you feed me, Seymour, you're gonna grow up big and strong. I am sure that some of you recognize this song. It's from the musical Little Shop of Horrors and it was one of my favorites in high school. This song is about the plant singing to its owner that it needs more blood. And this plant that was seemingly cute and innocent that appears from outer space into the neighborhood in which Seymour lives ends up being a blood-sucking evil plant that will do anything to gain power. What starts is just a little drop of blood here and there from Seymour, his owner, in the plant shop becomes an insatiable appetite that takes over Seymour and pushes him to kill human beings. Little ugly things like this may seem small when we compromise over them and give way to them in parts of our lives, but over time they come to corrupt and destroy. And I'm talking in this moment today specifically about how we aid and abet in sowing the seeds of fear and of racism in our lives and in our communities. For microaggressions beget macroaggressions. And as we have struggled through the news this week, I have been thinking about the founding of our nation in which we had an opportunity to stand against racism and slavery. And in that moment, in that moment of debate about the possibility of equal treatment for blacks and whites, threats were raised. Economic advantage, the card of economic advantage was played and a compromise was made, a compromise that allowed for racism and slavery to be embedded into our nation's constitution, the three-fifths compromise. And I think we need to talk about it. We need to name it and own it because we have lived under the fallacy that our ancestors dealt with racism by giving enslaved people some worth in our constitution. We thought we were done by compromising with Southern slaveholders. We thought that we had dealt with racism and enslaved peoples when we fought the Civil War. Then we thought that we had achieved some sort of amount of equity in the civil rights movement. We thought that with the passage of civil rights and voting rights acts that things would be different. And we allowed our own white privilege to justify downplaying the evil of racism while never acknowledging that it, in our very beginning as a nation, was flawed because of the compromise we made. And so this seemingly insignificant little drop of blood, that three-fifths compromise 
obscured a savage beast of racism. And that savage beast over time was sanctioned to ravage openly people of color. And then after the Civil War, rather than truly banning and killing that beast of racism, we allowed it to become embedded and institutionally co-opted. Fear is one of the driving factors that is related to racism. So let's talk about fear, because I think right now in this time of COVID-19, in the time of the death of George Floyd, fear is everywhere. And we as human beings have often fought that fear in terms of our desire to survive. And over the course of human history, we have sought to face fear, and we've also sought to banish fear by eliminating the sources from which it comes but we cannot take away every source of fear in our lives. It's just simply not possible. And even though as human civilization has advanced, we've been illuminating sources of fear and eliminating certain sources of fear, we haven't gotten rid of it completely. Theologian Miroslav Volf heads up the Yale Center for Faith and Culture, and he has a new podcast called For the Life of the World, which he launched in light of COVID-19. His first episode examines this culture of fear that I have been talking about just now. And when he created that podcast, we were pre-George pre Floyd's death. And so he was specifically addressing fear in light of the COVID-19 pandemic. And yet, the tenets of what he's been sharing are very appropriate to where we are now as a nation, as we once again look at racism right in front of our eyes and talk about it. Here in America, for those of us with white privilege, who have comfortable means or even more than comfortable economic means, we think that we operate with some sort of immunity immunity to fear of, of basic things that we've already taken care of, like food and shelter and power. But the culture of fears overall within this nation has been growing for a long time. And what Wolf addresses is that we have been manipulated by media and by politicians, media to get us to buy products, by politicians to get votes. Anything to manipulate us to react out of fear which catapults us into the advantage of those with power. And this week, this week, this past week, for those of us who have been wondering, and I certainly have, when the tinderbox of America would be lit, it has happened. And I'm talking about this ongoing tinderbox of the history of racism, plus the increasing economic gap within our nation, between the haves and the have-nots with those with and without health care. Added to by the loss of work due to COVID-19 and the death of George Floyd, killed by the hands of Minneapolis police officers, that was the match that lit the tinderbox. 
pandemic and economic fear from the shutdown combined with the smoldering embers of racism in this nation, blown into flames by fear and anxiety. And in this process, we have discovered that we as a nation have no reserves in order to address this tinderbox that we have created. What reserves am I talking about? How is it that we cannot seem to face the fear in our surroundings that is with us from every side? Wolf says that we, in that process of eliminating fears for so long, that we don't know how to face them anymore and that we are actually living in a world in which there is a dearth of courage for we are no longer immune to fear because we haven't learned how to face it anymore and not only have we not learned how to face our fear but when it does rear its ugly head it is contagious and it spreads like wildfire in light of where we are as a nation it is time to cultivate courage again. Courage to stand in the face of fear. Courage to call out microaggressions of racism in our everyday lives, ones that we enact ourselves or that we witness others doing. Courage to face conventional wisdom that tells us that we need to keep quiet and stay with the status quo. Courage to stand up and say, we're not waiting any longer for change. It's going to happen now. Courage is to stand up as so many this week have already done and say, George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, Ahmed Aubrey. You and I, we are church and we have a lot of work to do. And the way we challenge the status quo as Christians is with the gospel. And this is the exact gift that Jesus was handing to the disciples when he directed them to go out into the world. And I can hear the disciples when they, when they were listening to Jesus, I can hear them turning to him and saying, Lord, how do we have the courage to step into these roles in these Moses moments that you are telling us that it is time to enact. And Jesus is telling them that you will have courage when you enter into the world empowered by the Holy Spirit and standing on the bedrock of the Trinity. It is Trinity Sunday. And as we celebrate Trinity Sunday, we know that when we step into these Moses moments of leadership, of combating racism, that we do so firmly grounded on the Trinity. We claim the gospel as our truth. We claim the Holy Spirit gifted within us and we walk in solidarity with Jesus who was given to us in human flesh to experience suffering on this earth. And so as we go forth into this week, the image that I am carrying with me comes from the movie, The Hobbit, The Battle of Five Armies, where in the middle of all darkness and evil, Galadriel, the elf queen, confronts Sauron, the evil one. 
And as she stands, she holds a white light in her palm and she holds it towards the darkness. And she says, you have no power here. Go back to the void from which you came. And it is time for us as white allies to the black community to take a stand against racism when it rears its ugly head. It's time for us to face our fear of bucking institutional racism and oppression and bar the way of the demon from pursuing God's people any longer. And we can say in the name of the Trinity, you have no power here. Amen.